truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we, we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. All right, so here's my question for you tonight. Uh, why do you come around RUF? Like, why is this a, a thing? Maybe you've been wondering that the last 30 minutes or so since you walked in. Why did I come to this thing? Um, I'm four years into this job, and I still don't, I feel like I have no idea why people show up for RUF stuff. Not like because RUF is bad. I mean, RUF is great. I think it's, there's a lot of beautiful people here and wonderful things. But I just, I just don't know what would like sort of compel you to show up at this on a Wednesday, Wednesday night. Um, sometimes I do find out why people stop coming. Um, but, uh, and some of y'all are here for the first time tonight. Some of you guys have been here like every Wednesday for the last four years, and I like helped you move into your dorm. Um, but uh, everyone that's here tonight is here because in some sense of the word, you are seeking something from Jesus. You are uh, showing up in a room where you feel, well, you know that we're going to talk about Jesus, talk about the Bible, and each of us is sort of coming to Jesus or coming to this meeting trying to get something from Jesus because we're interested in some aspect of who Jesus is. And the question is, what is that thing? What are you seeking from Jesus? Why are you here? And uh, the reason I ask is because the people in this passage, they had their reasons for seeking after Jesus as well. Look, look in the passage, you look in verse 26. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you that you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, um, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Uh, people had started following Jesus uh, in the book of John because he was healing people. And this is a little bit lost on us, I think, because, you know, a lot of times when people get sick or they, they get an injury or something, we, we are used to them getting better. In the ancient world, if you were seriously sick, if you were chronically ill, if you were disabled, if you were injured in some way, like if you tore like your ACL type thing, um, there wasn't a lot of hope that you were going to get better. And so one of the most um, really fundamental felt needs in the community was that you were sick or you were hurt. And Jesus came around and he was meeting that really deeply felt need. He was going around and he was healing people that were blind or disabled. And people were amazed at him. And so at first they start following him because he's healing people. 
And then this one day, he's being followed by literally tens of thousands of people, and he's teaching them, and they're hungry. And so Jesus takes a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he somehow feeds what John says 5,000 men. So if you add together how many women and children are probably there, it's probably about you know, 18 or 20,000 people. That's, kind of, that's like feeding the student population of Appalachian with like four to five cookout trays. And um, if someone was able to come on campus and do that, you would be interested in them, like interested enough to follow them around for the day and figure out what's going on with them. And uh, people were following Jesus. They were crowding around him. But Jesus says, look, you're, ex- you're, you're, not, you're excited about the signs You're excited about the things that I can do, about the needs that I can meet for you. But they're not that interested in what the signs mean. They jumped on board with Jesus because he was exciting and he was filling their bellies. But they don't really seem to necessarily be that interested in Jesus himself. Jesus says, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, because you ate your fill of the loaves. They wanted a miracle worker who was going to fill up their stomachs with bread. So... That's why I ask, why, why are you here? Why are you seeking Jesus? What have you been seeking from Jesus, either just from the past week or the last couple of years? Um, are you seeking Jesus because of the community that he can provide for you in college? Maybe a community that's different than the other communities that you are involved in. Maybe you're seeking Jesus because, so that you don't feel so aimless, that you have some kind of purpose in life, that like, what you're doing actually matters. Maybe it's just muscle memory for you at this point. Like you've always gone to a Jesus-y kind of thing where we talk about the Bible. um, And so you just keep going. Or uh, maybe you go to keep your spiritual life strong. Um, Jesus is interested in what those reasons are and what draws us to him. Look look in verse 27. He tells the the crowds that are are following him. um, He says, don't work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. He's saying, look, you're following me because I gave you something to eat. But don't give your effort, don't give your life, don't give your work for food that, that, that spoils. Like, stuff goes bad eventually. The things that we chase after goes bad, go, they go bad eventually. Um, we are often chasing the wrong thing, is what Jesus is telling us. If you were in the grew up in the '90s like me, then you were a TLC lover, and um, and waterfalls. You know, say like, don't go chasing waterfalls. You know, because um, you know, a waterfall has a terminus, and that's a place that you don't want to be. Oh, okay, um, that's not even the best song on that record because "Creep" is the best song on that record. If you're a TLC fan, but uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, the crowds were missing the point of Jesus's miracles. And really, everybody was missing the point of Jesus' miracles because they thought that he was doing these miracles just merely to meet a need for them. Like, uh, like the point of multiplying the bread and the fish was just because people were hungry and he needed a quick way to feed them. But all of Jesus' miracles were windows into a reality that we can't see. Jesus was doing miracles to say something about who he is and who we are. And Jesus did this miracle. He, he, he fed these 5,000 people because he wanted these people to see two things. And he wants us to see two things. And the first is this, that you have a hunger. Like there's something in you that is hungry for something that you don't quite know what it is. And you don't quite know how to, 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 to satisfy that hunger. 
And that the, the second thing is that we chase things that don't satisfy that hunger, the things that make us more and more hungry. And what Jesus is really simply saying is um, you're going through life acquiring things and chasing things that are making you more hungry, and I want to interrupt that pattern for you. I want to disrupt that pattern for, me, for you and remind you that life is much bigger and more grand than just accumulating stuff. Um, I, I had the pleasure of talking with a student uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, and she was telling me about an experience she had over the summer, and uh, she, was, she was working in a hospital, and she had witnessed death, and uh, at that point, she basically, what I would just say, like, woke up um, and realized, I just don't really want to check Snapchat. Like, it just doesn't feel like it's worth my time, and I feel like I'm surrounded by people that are just interested in sort of mundane things and she suddenly is awake to the world and understanding that things are big, that things matter, that people are beautiful and they matter. And one of the biggest tools I would say, I would say probably the biggest tool that the devil uses um, in our lives in our current moment is being distracted from life. Um, there was, I didn't read the article because I'm distracted, um, but it looked, I was like, the headline, yes, I probably shared it on something. Um, and the headline was that smartphones are the new cigarettes. And I was like, that person is putting into writing what I've been thinking about smartphones. And so then I didn't even read their work. Um, <laughs> but there was a time when everyone smoked. It was just normal, right? And now everyone check, checks our phones. Uh, they're just kind of this normal thing. And they're having a really devastating impact on our lives that we were like, maybe, maybe not. We'll just worry about that 10, 15 years down the road. But, I mean, distraction, sleepiness, boredom, marketing, news feeds, catalogs. I probably get 20 catalogs a week in my house. From like, I, don't even know, I don't know what Grandin Road is, but they send me four catalogs a week, it feels like. Um, Jesus comes and does these miracles to show us that we're hungry and that we can't get satisfied with the things that we we're trying to get satisfied with to shake us out of our distraction. Um, when Jack won the, the meme contest, strong meme, by the way, um, you, he got a little gift card and it has a little burrito wearing a birthday hat on it, which I thought was adorable. That's why I bought that one. Um, but it's, imagine that you were really hungry and you just took that little burrito off that little gift card, right? That little plastic burrito with this cute little birthday hat. And you, and you ate that gift card. Um, hoping that in a sense that gift card was going to satisfy you in the way that a nice full Chipotle burrito might, might do. You, you've missed the fact that, that that little burrito is just pointing to something grander and more beautiful, which is an actual Chipotle burrito. And more so... Not only is that thing not going to satisfy you, by eating the gift card, don't eat the gift card, Jack, that's the point. Um, by eating the gift card, you're actually disqualifying yourself from the actual thing. Now you can't go get the real thing because you've eaten the fake thing. And uh, that's a really terrible example um, of what we do. Uh, if, if we're seeking after Jesus, he wants us to see that we're hungry and we're eating all kinds of things that not only don't satisfy us, they distract us from the thing that actually could satisfy us. They keep us from getting at. And do you feel that? This is my question for you. Do you feel that there's a constant yearning and sort of churning in your life for something that you can't quite get? And so the people do what we do when we feel insecure, which is they try to control the situation. They go, I'm feeling awkward now. 
I'm feeling like he's pointing out something that's true about me, so I will try to jump into the driver's seat. Look at verse 28. They say to Jesus, uh, they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Because Jesus just said, don't, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. They say, okay, so what do we need to do? Like, what do I need to do now? Like, what does God want from me? Like, what, what do I need to go get busy doing? And Jesus answers them, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he has sent. Really, they're saying, what, what does God require of me? We can do it. And Jesus just said, like, I'm going to give this thing to you. I'm going to give you this eternal life. And, and um, it's just our inclination when God says, I want to give you something. Then we go, okay, that's great. Uh, how, much, how much can I pay you? Or what can I do uh, to, to, to earn that? Eternal, lift is, eternal life is a gift of God. And it's a gift of God so that God gets glory for it. Like God gives people eternal life so that we can go, that's amazing. God, you're amazing. Let me give you glory for that. And we, we want to earn it because we don't really like being in God's debt. Because there's something in us that is turned away from God's glory. But really, I mean, how could you ever possibly pay for eternal life? I mean, it's kind of funny to think about Jesus goes, I will give you eternal life. And we go, okay, what do I have to do to earn it? Um, I mean, what, what like currency would you possibly use for eternal life with, with God? Um, my wife had a friend and she got really sick. And um, so, and she was like not taking good care of herself. And so my wife went out and she went to the drugstore and went to Walmart and she bought like this huge basket of Gatorade and like medicine and like a candle and like hand soap. You know, she was being really, she really wanted to take care of her friend. And she probably spent like 150 bucks on stuff, to be totally honest, just because that's how she is. And um, uh, by that's how she is, I don't mean like loose with money, I mean like caring. And... um, And so after she had done it, when, when the friend got a little bit better, the friend came over and she gave my wife a $20 bill. And like, I took this, this $20 bill from this girl and I was like, when you show up at the gates of heaven with this $20 bill, like Jesus is going to turn you away. Like she, she, she gave her a gift. You can't pay for eternal life. And so when they come and they say, what should we do? This is, where, this is where I want you to key in. When they say, what, what should we do to get this stuff from God, to get eternal life? Jesus says, here's what you should do. Believe in the one whom God the Father has sent. You actually, I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to pay anything. I don't want any of your work. I want you to simply believe in Jesus. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. It's funny how he says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Believing is not a work. You know, you guys are all believing in, the, in putting your faith in the chair you're sitting on simply by resting on it and assuming that it can hold you, right? It's, it's the opposite of a work. Believing in Jesus, what faith is, so I tell you now, believe in Jesus, and there's probably 200 different ideas of what it even means to believe in Jesus in the first place. Believing in Jesus simply means receiving and resting on Jesus. Receiving Jesus and resting on him. Receiving and resting on his work. On his life. You know, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit this this semester. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you think about Jesus' life, in every moment of his entire life, whether he was alone 
whether he was with one other person, whether he was before a great crowd, he completely and fully exemplified love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That was his life. And now it's a gift for you to receive. He said, rest in his death. That he died a death that you couldn't die. A death that we, that we owe God for our sin. His burial. Uh, Holy Saturday is the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And it's the, one of the most poignant days of Holy Week to me. Because what we're supposed to do on Holy Saturday is remember that Jesus' body was laying in a grave all day. Um, Jesus died for us. That he was buried and that he was resurrected. That the, that, the cro- that, the, that the grave couldn't hold him, that death thought that it had won, and Jesus breaks out. That death is no longer the end. It's no longer the terminus of our lives, but there's new life. He ascended, and he's, to, he's with the Father now, and he's going to return. And when he returns, he's going to fix everything that's broken and dark and wrong in the world. And he's going to make everything beautiful and all right again. There's a beautiful hymn that says... Upon a life I, did not li- I have not lived, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity. That's what Jesus is saying. You, you, when you believe in the one that God has sent, you rest upon someone's life that you didn't live, someone's death that you didn't die. You stake everything on that. And the quality, like how well or how much you believe, is really kind of beside the point. Uh, you know, I think we tend to think like, when I'm feeling it enough, then, then it's okay with Jesus. Like when I'm believing him in enough in, a, in an emotional way, or when I'm believing correctly enough, when I believe the right things and I say them the right way, then things are okay with Jesus. Or if I believe often enough, if I have enough days in a row where I get up and actually want to read the Bible or be kind to my really annoying roommate, um, or that like I'm going to be overwhelmed with this confidence in Christ. Um, and really, in, in like love, I just want to say like all of those things are just ways to distinguish yourself from other people that you believe better than them. They're not about really pleasing God because your hope is not in a perfect faith. My hope is not in a perfect faith. Your hope and my hope is in a perfect Savior in a Jesus that is perfect. We never believe perfectly and we never will believe perfectly until Jesus comes back and makes us perfect. But he is perfect. We receive him and we rest on him. My mom pays for my two big, I said my two big girls, they're six and four. Um, they're big when they used to be this big, you know. And uh, they, they do gymnastics and it's adorable. Um, <laughs> you can imagine a four-year-old and like a leotard on the uneven bars, which I was like, they throw them straight in there, man. Like on the, there's, she's like dangling on these uneven bars. <laughs> um, like I don't think she can do one chin up, you know. Um, but my girls, they go to gymnastics. My mom paid for it. And uh, they show up at gymnastics, and they work hard, man. Like, they put in work doing gymnastics. Um, but, they, but they didn't pay to get in. Like, they didn't pay the fee. They don't even get an allowance. They probably will never get an allowance. Um, uh, they don't get, get into the gymnastics gym. You know, like, they don't work to stay in by, like, their effort. They don't, like, try to pay my mom back. It would never even occur to them to try and pay my mom back. They don't even drive. You know, like, someone drives them very frustratedly in the afternoon to gymnastics. All they simply do is receive the gift. 
that someone else brought them into this thing and they rest upon it as they work. Like they go in the gymnastics gym and they give everything they have because they're receiving and resting on what someone else has made possible for them, a life that they've been called into. And it is that receiving and resting in Jesus that begins to get at the gnawing ache in our soul. And really, this is going to be the last time I talk to some of you guys because some of you are graduating. And um, I want to leave everybody with two things. So some of you guys I may not ever see again. Some of you guys will just not come back to RUF next year, um, which is great. Uh, which is, I mean, not great, but, you know, like, <laughs> I love you. Um, I want to leave you with two things about Jesus. Jesus is your satisfaction, and Jesus is your security. Look in verse 33. Jesus says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives light. To the world, gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. They still think it's a, it's a bread, right? It's going, to make, it's going to make me full. I'm never going to be, have to be hungry again. And Jesus said to them, as he says so much, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus, in, in his miracle, wants to show them, like, you're hungry, you can't get full. But the, the thing he really wants to show them and to show you is that he satisfies souls. Like, Jesus is satisfaction for the human soul. The satisfaction that you were made and you know that you long to experience. Marriage will not fulfill you. It's just, it's not going to. It will actually, in many ways, make you ache in new ways that you didn't even know. Like, when you have children, you'll think, oh, like, I always wanted kids. This is great. And then you realize now that you are, like, overcome with despair about the possible outcomes of their lives. <laughs> um, they'll probably be fine. Uh, I just need to make a phone call real quick. Um, Grad school will not satisfy you, even that one grad school. Um, the perfect internship that is going to lead to the job is not going to satisfy you. Traveling to Europe, moving to Raleigh, the career. Uh, I, I, that's where people want to go, Charlotte. Um, the, the, I've lived in Charlotte. It will not satisfy you. Um, what Jesus is really saying is that food is going to spoil. It will spoil eventually. Um, and my wife tells me all the time, it's all going to burn. Um, it is. Uh, C.S. Lewis, listen to what C.S. Lewis says. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures. That, that slays me. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an infinite child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. The point that C.S. Lewis isn't making is that Jesus can give you something that is infinitely better than drink or sex or ambition, which are in themselves very good and beautiful things. The point isn't that Jesus can give you something better. The point is that Jesus is better than all those things. That he's infinitely better than drink or sex or ambition or marriage or grad school or the internship or whatever. It's not the stuff that Jesus gives to his people that satisfies them. It's Jesus that satisfies us. Knowing him, trusting him. It's his beauty. 
Did you know that Jesus is beautiful? That he's perfect? That he's holy? And, and there are many beautiful people to be with. And there are many beautiful places to go, many beautiful things to do. But they are nothing compared to how beautiful and perfect and holy Jesus is. And my question for you is, have you seen his beauty or his holiness? Um, And for some of us, that is going to begin to arouse this question, which is, what if I'm struggling to believe that? Or if I'm like, that sounds great. I want Jesus to be beautiful to me and to satisfy me in that way. Um, But what if I'm struggling? Listen to this last bit. And this is, this is Jesus is your security. Verse 36. Um, Jesus says, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And listen to what he says. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Doubts will be part of your life forever. Even if you know Jesus the rest of your life. You will struggle deeply with sin. You think the stuff you struggle with now is significant. And there's stuff that, like, the cover hasn't even been opened up yet. Um, It's not that we will stop doubting or that we will stop struggling Our hope is that Jesus will not lose us. Jesus will never lose you. Like, no one can ever snatch you out of Jesus' hands. The crowds stopped chasing Jesus, you know. About the time he went into Jerusalem, and, like, it looked like he was going to get killed, they are like, yeah, I'm good. Um, And actually joined in, somehow, in, in getting him crucified. They stopped chasing him, but Jesus never stopped chasing them. Jesus chased the crowds all the way to the cross. Um, Because Jesus will never let you go. I love the song that we sang, a love that will not let me go. That is your hope. Not that you will always hold fast to Jesus, but that he will always hold fast to you. Because when you look to Jesus, um, even in a small way, even for the first time, what you're doing is you're placing your hope on God's promises. And God's promises can never, ever, ever be broken. And if he says, I'm going to keep you, then he will keep you, both now and forever. In verse 47, which we, which we didn't get to, Jesus says, whoever believes has eternal life. If you believe in Jesus now, or if you believed in Jesus a couple of years ago, and you've been struggling, you've been trying to hang in there with Jesus, you have secure eternal life in him now. But, and life is not easier for someone who follows Jesus I don't mean like, oh, because the culture is going to get... What I mean is, you know, because they're persecuting... You know, life isn't easier for someone that that follows Jesus because you actually become more aware of the fact that the world is a tremendously beautiful and tremendously disappointing place. Some of you guys have gone through severe disappointments and sadnesses even in the last year. Um... You come awake when you know Jesus to injustice. You come awake to pain. Uh, Someone recently asked a friend of mine what he didn't know when he first became a Christian. Um, Like, you know, what what did you what's different than you thought it was going to be? And uh, I loved what he said. He said, "I had no idea the Christian life would be a life of blood, sweat, and tears." 
Becoming a Christian makes life joyful, but by no means easy. Following Jesus is, is hard. It takes everything in you to say no to the thing that you just naturally want to do, the person that you naturally want to exclude, um, the way that you want, naturally want to lash out. Um, it, it takes blood, sweat, and tears, but it's full of joy. Because there's actual hope. Because there's going to be times this summer... Um, for you freshmen and sophomores, or like when you start your job after you graduate, or five years into the marriage that you're about to enter into in the next year, or when your kid leaves the house, where it will appear to you to be impossible to follow Jesus. Where you're going to go, I know what, God, what Jesus is calling me to do, and there is no way that it's possible for me to follow him. Where you just want to do like what you want to do. You want to pursue who you want to pursue and exclude who you want to exclude. You want to sleep with who you want to sleep with. You want to say what you want to say. And on that day, Jesus will still be beautiful. He will still be more beautiful than the thing that you are wanting, that your flesh is crying out for. And he will still be enough. And he will still be closer to you than your own soul. And he will not be disgusted. He will be delighted in you and you will still have everlasting life in him and he will still raise you up on the last day. So my last words to you is that Jesus is beautiful, that he's a satisfaction for you, he's your security. Walk with him. Feed on him for life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you, um, we we just don't, simply just don't believe it. We want to believe it, some of us, that you are enough for us, that you're beautiful. Um, and Lord, would you just strip away everything that was just said um, that in any way mars or distracts us from your beauty, from the fact that if we come to you and we believe in you, if we, if we want to try to trust in you and we cry out to you, that we have eternal life and that we will no, we'll never be hungry again and we'll never be thirsty again. And we thank you that you're coming now um, into our hearts and that you're coming in the future to make everything right. And Lord, would you give us a true hope in that? I pray especially for our seniors um, who are are finishing up. Lord, would you give them what they need to finish? And Lord, would you help them to see you with the eye of their heart as beautiful and as enough for them to bring your name. Amen. Amen.